Good evening, church. I want to thank uh, Keith and Larry for uh, the wonderful service tonight, uh, really enriching some of our singing to hear some of the stories behind the songs. Would you agree? It's kind of nice to hear some of those stories and uh, to understand where they came from. There's a common theme that kind of strings through these stories. They're not the same story. They're not the same people. They're not the same generation. They're not from the same place. But the common theme behind each of those stories that was shared with us and the rest of the songs that are in our hymnal is that each one of those people, when they're writing um, a song, they're writing in response to something. They're writing in response to something that's transpired in their life, something that's moved them, something that has shaped them. And like on all instances, a song is a response to something great. You know, there's a couple examples in the Bible where we see people kind of break out in song. They begin to sing. And one of the examples is back all the way in Exodus chapter 15, where we have the sort of the famous song, the song of Moses. And that's a story, if you look down in chapter 14 and verse 30, where he says, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. And it moves into chapter 15 where Moses leads the people in what a song to the Lord and has everything to do with how God has triumphed over Egypt. You remember that night, the day before, um, the Israelites were driven to the seashore. They were, they were there at the, edge of the, at the edge of the sea. And they knew Egypt was bearing down upon them and they were you know, melting down. They were just fearful of their life. They, all their hopes were gone. The Egyptian army was certainly an army that would destroy them. And they were crying out, weeping, telling Moses, why did you bring us out here? You should just take us back to uh, Egypt. Life would have been much better. And uh, Moses says, stand still and see the salvation of your God. Pause for a moment. Like the psalm would say in Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. And in their troubles, when they paused and waited, there was a deliverance. You know how long they had to wait? They go to bed that night, they're in their tents, and they're crying out to Moses. They had to wait all night. Imagine how many of them were sleeping. (laughs) Not very many, right? Fretting, biting fingernails, and Moses held up his staff all night. The whole night. And he's holding up his staff, and all the people are fearful and afraid, and they awake to this opportunity to walk through the Red Sea. And they're saved. And in response to the power of God and the saving of God, they've got a song to sing, right? Well, the other example I want to share with you is in Luke chapter 1. And this story is the story of the humble servant Mary, who was just informed by the angel approximately three months before this, technically maybe just recently, probably just a month before this, um, that she was going to bear a child born of the Holy Spirit. And she was incredibly overwhelmed. If you read the story found in Luke and then the story found in Matthew, Mary is overwhelmed by this idea that she's going to be a mother, even though she has not yet known a man. 
Um, she says, in fact, down in verse 34 of chapter 1, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Pretty logical question you might uh, agree with, Mary. How's this going to happen? Well, Mary goes down to visit Elizabeth, who's a relative of hers. And Elizabeth also is with child. And um, this is also a miraculous child, so to speak, because Elizabeth had been barren for uh, such a long time. Elizabeth is the mother of John, who would be known as the baptizer. And it says in verse 39, listen to this. In those days, Mary arose. Now remember, Mary is young at this time, most likely probably 16, 17 years old, humble, comes from nothing, a lowly servant girl. And she has just been told recently that she's going to bear the mother, she's going to be the mother of a child of the Holy Spirit who will save her people. She's probably still trying to process all of this. Not understanding maybe how all the pieces fit together. It's, I'm certain it's overwhelming to Mary. And so in verse 39 it says, In those days Mary arose, went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. She entered the house of Zechariah, John's father, and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry. Now this is what Elizabeth is going to say to Mary. And what Elizabeth says to Mary puts some pieces together for Mary. Listen to what she says in verse 42. Blessed are you among women. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Now, Elizabeth, remember, has been barren for many years. She's been married for a long time. So let's estimate that she might be in her mid-40s, maybe. And Mary, a young relative, might be 16 or 17 years old. And Mary walks into her house, greets Zechariah, the father. And when Elizabeth hears her voice, the baby jumps in her womb, and she's filled with the Holy Spirit. And she says to Mary, you are blessed, and I am blessed. Why should I be allowed to stand in the presence of the mother of my Lord? Do you see how some of those words for a confused young girl who has just received word from an angel, and she's probably coming to this sage, wise relative of hers who her husband or uncle or her husband here, um, Zachariah is a priest, so they probably have some wisdom to try to make sense of all that's going on. And Elizabeth confirms to Mary, You are a blessed person, Mary. You've been chosen for a reason. God has brought you in to take part in his plan and bringing the Savior to the world. You're blessed, Mary. And I'm blessed. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. Pardon me. And then she says, I'm blessed. Why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? What respect Elizabeth was showing to her. And then she tells her the story about the baby leaping in her womb. And she says in verse 45, Blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Translation, Elizabeth is saying to Mary, you're going to be really blessed because you've believed what the Lord has said that it's going to be fulfilled through you. You see what this wise lady in Mary's family, Elizabeth, was doing was establishing her, confirming to her, building her up, that she was part of the plan of God and she was blessed to be a part of it. 
And in response, when all the pieces kind of come together for Mary, like, this is real, this is going to happen, and God has looked upon me, this lowly servant, and allowed me to be the mother of the Savior of the world. She breaks out in song. She says in verse 46, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Listen. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. And the song goes on. Here's the point of all this, okay? Pause. People break out in song and have words to say to God. You notice uh, Mary's words here would be pretty difficult, actually, to set to tune and like to sing them. You know, we call them a song, but it's more like, you know, kind of a poetic essay, you might say. Um, but it's her song. She's got something to say in response to how God has worked in her life. That's what a song is. And so here's the point. Here's why this matters. What kind of song would you sing? Would you sing? Now, when I listen to the, the songs that you guys chose, I look back and think, listen, I barely can rhyme. I don't know if I could pull that off. I, I, I'm certain I could not write a hymn that you all would enjoy singing, even when we set it to good tune. I'm most certain that I probably don't possess that ability to write a decent hymn. But in response to how God has been present, powerful, how he has provided and invited me into his purpose. What is my song back to him? That's my question for you tonight. It's wonderful for us to borrow from the beautiful experiences of these people that have written hymns that guide us into exclaiming the glory and greatness of God. But here's my question privately to you. What will be the song that you break into when you see God? Has he delivered you from an incredible amount of suffering? Do you want to thank him for that? Has he brought suffering to remind you of his goodness and provision? Has he helped you overcome maybe some enemies and evil in this world? Has he protected you and put a hedge around you at times? Has he given you an opportunity that you just know for certain you don't deserve and it shouldn't be yours? Has he surrounded you with a bountiful amount of blessing of people and relationships and love. When you see him, what will you sing? Ultimately, Isaiah tells us generically what we'll sing in Isaiah chapter 12. He tells us this in verse 1, You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, you turned your anger away that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and I will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song. And he has become my salvation. That's beautiful, isn't it? That's what you will say on that day. That you'll give thanks to God and you'll recognize on that day when you see him in all of his splendor, in all of his glory, and all of his perfection, you will fall down like the Bible we see this multiple times when people know they're in the presence of God, they fall down like they're dead. They, they just can't be in his presence of his greatness and his glory. And when you know in his presence that you are not worthy to stand before him 
and yet he scoops you up and comforts you. You'll know in your song, you'll say, you deserve to be angry with me, but you have turned your anger away that you might comfort me. And you have become not only my strength, but my song. And he accomplished this all through the work of Jesus Christ. I want to propose to you this one thought tonight, and we'll be all done. That I don't think it's possible for you to have a song if you don't know Jesus. That every song finds its melody, finds its chorus, finds its refrain inside the message and the story and the song of Jesus Christ. That if you don't understand who he is, if you haven't really put a concept around why his life had to exist in response to us, if you don't know um, what it means, the fact that he lived and what he was willing to do for us and how he suffered for us and how that all relates into your life, if you haven't made connection between who Jesus is historically and who you are personally, your ability to sing a song is going to be pretty, spare, pretty, um, pretty limited. That until you make sense of who Jesus is, you're not going to have much of a song. But when you know who he is, whether you can carry a tune or write some words that rhyme, you will have in your bones something not just generic to say, but specific about your life, how God has delivered, promised, given, comforted, and ultimately saved you. And you'll sing. You might borrow words from great writers, but you'll sing. And so if you're not singing now your song in response to who Jesus is, let's find that song. I want you to find that song in Jesus Christ because when you do, you'll be ready for in that day telling God you are my strength and you're my song. So if you need a song, let's, uh, let's find one. We'll find one together in Jesus. Let's stand and sing.